If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Skinny with Rico and Ken is a production of iHeartRadio. What's up? This is Kyle Duke, and this is The Skinny. From the Batheads Eyewear Studios in Speedway, Indiana, this is The Skinny. Brought to you by Toyota, Rhino Classifieds, General Tire, and Dream Giveaway. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by Toyota. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a holiday edition of The Skinny. I have a very good friend that will join me on the show here today, typically from Southern California, has moved to Alabama over the course of the last couple of years. His name's Kyle LaDuke. I've had the pleasure of watching him start his career since he was about 21, 22, I think somewhere in that general area, and I have also had the pleasure of calling a number of his championships all along the way. If I'm not mistaken, I think he currently holds eight of those in short course off-road racing uh, at the highest levels. Welcome, my friend, to the show. We've been trying to make this happen for a little bit. You bounce in and out of Indianapolis uh, now that you're with that Chip Ganassi racing team. We just weren't able to work it out during the season, and uh, all of us are very, very busy, but thanks for taking the time here just before New Year's. Yeah, I appreciate that, dude. <laughs> Uh, just hearing those stats and the stuff that uh, that you talked about obviously doesn't seem real, but you know we've got trophies behind us, so <laughs> they are real. But uh, it's been a, an epic journey, so I appreciate you and everything you've done over the years. And uh, yeah, it'd be cool to step in there someday, sit in the office and, and chat. But hey, this is the same; it's all good. Yeah, man, you're always welcome for sure. And uh, we're just down the, down the way here from the Speedway. I uh, probably. Uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most away from uh, from Chip's shop as well. So we'll get you in here for sure. You know, the, all the stuff that obviously I'm so used to seeing the trophies, uh, the short course trophies, um, they catch my eye. But the one that really catches my eye is the DeLorean, the time machine over the top of the uh, <laughs> uh, the fireplace. What's that all about? Uh, I'm definitely a Back to the Future super fan. Um, you know, I've watched all the movies behind the computer here. I've got all the cars lined up. I've got all these nerdy little things, <laughs> but uh, no, it's just something I, I I liked a long time ago. The the car I actually owned a DeLorean for a minute. Um, cool driving around, you know, cool little hot rod. But no, it's just something I've been into watching Back to the Future, and uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. But uh, it's definitely you got to have your little your little nicks and crannies and what you're what you're into, what you're watching, what you tune into. But uh, I've just always been a fan of it. So yeah, put it in the office. 
So uh, uh, all of your fans, of course, are very familiar with your accomplishments over the years. And uh, while we certainly want to touch on those and, and not discard them in any way, shape, or form, we really like to get a little bit of uh, information about the guys that people don't typically know about. And uh, just you, even this morning, as we were chatting on the air here, trying to get things going, we're running a little bit late. I apologize for that. But um, uh, you said, hey, man, I'm working out. I'm tired of being being the chubby guy, which – I don't know that you're the chubby guy, but I certainly get it. And when you're around the people that you've been around this year, and I, I really reference more of the extreme E season whenever I say this, you take a look at those athletes that you're competing against and some of those Formula One drivers and competitors and, and take a look at the athleticism that they're capable of. I'm sure it, it – and you being the competitive guy, it's like, hey, man, I'm not going to be in last place here. i got to jump in the game. So talk to me about what you're doing here to get uh, physically fit. Well, I mean, we've always been, you know, the American tough guys, right? Like we're, uh, we're, <laughs> we're bigger than three quarters of the field, uh, me and my crew chief, Trad, and, and some of our team guys. But, um, you know, there's a lot of European guys and, and uh, different drivers and stuff. But um, just for myself, I mean, I ride dirt bikes a lot. I grew up racing mountain bikes and was always in pretty good shape. But you just get caught up in working around the shop and, you know, being lazy, traveling, eating bad and, uh, just got to square myself up and, and kind of start over. So, um, built a little gym up here in my office and just need to start knocking it out. You know, we've all said we're going to do it and I've said I was going to do it two or three times in the past, but, uh, definitely time to, uh, lean out, clean up, tighten up and just be, uh, just be able to just, you know, not have to be out of breath or doing certain stuff or be more flexible. I think that's my biggest thing is obviously you want to be big and strong, but you also got to be flexible. So i uh, got to work on some of that stuff for myself. Um, and if it pays off during racing, that's fine. But uh, definitely, you know, want to <laughs> want to look good with the shirt off for the wife. And, and uh, you know, my son's super ripped and my daughter, they're both athletic doing sports and stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't want to be the chubby guy. So time to time to get to work. <laughs> I feel your pain, man, in, in many ways. Actually, the pandemic was a blessing for me. Believe it or not, I lost about 54 pounds. I have since uh, found it all again. I lost it, but it, it, but it was right there. I found it and, uh, and put it all back on. I started working out of this place up here. Maybe you're familiar with it called Pit Fit. Dixon goes there. A number of the other IndyCar drivers go there and um, uh, started working out. But I, I've been actively um, – What's the best way to describe this? Uh, I've been actively proving the fact that you cannot work your way out of a bad diet. So <laughs> I've not fixed my diet, but I've been working out since August, and uh, you would never know it to look at me. I'm a lot stronger, but I have not lost a pound. So, yeah, I think the diet and, and what you're talking about is is a huge part of it. And the flexibility, I mean, man, um, I just pulled a hamstring. I've never done anything like that before, but working out up there the other day, pulled a hamstring, and, man, oh, man, what a special moment that was. But uh, as I started working out, I got tighter and tighter and tighter, and I refused to stretch, even though I, I felt it. I knew I should have been, but uh, as you get older, you know, it just gets worse and worse. So uh, I remember seeing Carl climb in and out of his truck, you know, and Carl's constantly stretching uh, the old nemesis for you, and uh, of course, very athletic as well. But uh, I agree with you 100%. And I think if you get in a bad situation in one of those trucks and you need to do something quickly, the stretching uh, can certainly pay dividends. Yeah, I remember I was watching Carl walk up to his truck and put his leg up onto the window and then exactly duck his head what almost I was touch thinking his boat about. and climb in. And I always looked at him like, dude, you are you're crazy. Either you're doing it wrong or or I'm doing it wrong. Uh, but I mean, even even when I was younger, like you used to call me Kyle the kid and you know, we used to jump in and out of race cars all day long and then we'd go home and jump on our mountain bikes and go ride and then jump on dirt bikes and go ride. So just just part of being active, you know, and, uh, since we moved here to my house here in Alabama, you know, this office was not here behind me. Uh, and this is upstairs at my shop. You know, I have a, maybe a 2,700 square foot shop, nothing huge, but this is like an upstairs loft that's on it. Um, so, I mean, just been working, just been trying to outfit this place so that I can actually have a, a home base. Um, you know, I've always rented shops in the past or worked with my dad and this is finally my shop. So we've got air conditioning in it. We've, uh, foam insulated the roof, like everything in, in here in Alabama that you, uh, the essentials that you need to get started. And, uh, yeah, just, just doing everything, trying to, trying to build a shop that I can build race cars in and spend some time in. 
Yeah, you know, speaking of that, uh, you guys uh, are down there in Tornado Alley as well, man. Uh, and you've been able to dodge all that crazy weather? Yeah, we're in uh, hurricanes. Yeah, hurricanes are the nemesis. So we've, uh, we're have we right on the coast. I mean, the, the, the water here in the Gulf is maybe uh, two and a half, two miles down the road. So it's, oh, wow. okay. it's definitely right here. We had a storm hit, um, not 2021, but in 2020, we had a Hurricane Sally came through and uh pretty much hit us direct maybe two or three miles you know east of us but um 120 mile an hour winds me and my crew chief trad were here it was the weekend before cr- heading up to crandon so knocked down all of our trees we have big uh um uh pecan trees so those knocked over blocked the entire driveway so it was a it's been an eye-opening thing but my wife has always hated earthquakes i love them like just what's happening during an earthquake i've always loved uh, it's just insane right but she likes the hurricanes because you can see them coming you can prepare you can get out um but i don't know they can uh they come through enough where we are we have huge trees so we've got 30 plus acres tons of trees everywhere so when it comes through and destroys things it uh it leaves a mark for sure yeah, so I didn't realize you were that far south there in, in Alabama. I guess uh, certainly the joke applies here that you left Southern California and moved to L.A., lower Alabama. I was thinking you were, yeah. uh, you were up in northern Alabama, to be quite honest with you, but I uh, didn't realize you were so close to the coast. So what, what prompted that move? Why Alabama from Southern California? Um, a couple things. I mean, obviously my, my wife's family lives here, so her dad is here. Um, and her grandpa's here. So we've been here vacationing and hanging out and stuff before, but just, uh, you know, my dad was up in Beaumont and that, that town has exploded times a thousand in Southern California. Now we moved to Temecula, which is like right in the middle of the gnarliest rat race. So had a really nice house rented up in the hills and then had another shop rented in uh, downtown and just that nine and a half mile, 45 minute to an hour commute just killed me. I just, I couldn't do it. And then you got to leave every day. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have to leave and go to work, but, uh, if you got the choice to do it and not have to leave, I'm all for it. Cause that's the way I grew up with my dad's never had a, never left home. It was always in the backyard. So, um, she hates snow. I don't like snow. I don't like Arizona, 125 degree weather. So it eliminated like three quarters of the whole continent. Um, so we just started shopping around over here and Man, we uh, spent a whole month here looking around, learning what cities to live in, where not to go, what to do, and houses. And man, we found this killer property down here on like the second to last day we were here and literally checked it out for maybe an hour with the owners and then flew home and bought it. I mean, went through all the chaos and and stress to move. All that kind of stuff is uh, pretty chaotic, but all in all, we definitely an awesome piece of property. Great city. The city of Fairhope, Alabama is uh, super nice, super clean, just good people. Uh, and, and I can't see a road from my house. I mean, I don't live in what they call the sticks. Um, but we're just off the main highway, the two lane highway, and we're out by ourselves. I mean, it's, it's really nice to walk out front and be able to do whatever you want in your property. Um, whether it be fires, guns, you know, dirt bikes, testing the pro four on the property, like all these cool things that we've done. It's, uh, it's pretty surreal, but yeah, definitely worth it. A lot of chaos and struggle to get here, um, but we made it happen and I'm definitely pumped on it. Yeah, it's been super cool to watch you uh, to get over there. Of course, you're very good with social media and, and keeping all your fans up to date. And and I remember thinking, holy smokes, man, he's, not only has he got to move, but he's got to move that entire race operation. He's trying to win championship in the middle of it. He has sponsors he has to take care of, but uh, as always, you you know the thought process was extremely good. I've always thought you've been well ahead of your time, although you're certainly a seasoned a seasoned adult at this point. But but to watch you make those steps, leave the racing operation pretty much alone, take care of the family first, get the house up and going, build the shop, and then slowly morph that thing over to where you to where you're at, and then watch you develop a practice track, watch you start taking care of Reed and build his race cars and get him a place to uh, to practice as well. It's been quite a process, and uh, I feel like it just happened a year ago, but I guess it has been, is it three years now? Two, Two three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it goes by so quickly, but <laughs> it takes a little while to, to get it all in place, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and it was it was chaotic because you know I had my shop in Temecula and um, I had part of ways with Trad, my crew chief, um, and he went up north, uh, Northern California, because he wasn't wanting to move to Alabama. So I was trying to figure out this whole crew chief thing because I only had three or four months before the season started. Um, so I gave him a call, and it's the one thing I've never done in my entire life. Hey, dude, you want to uh, bring my race truck to your shop and prep it while I moved to Alabama for the year? And he's like, you're going to give me your truck like, and not be on top of it? Uh, I said, don't don't question it. Just answer the question because I'm about to say the, the opposite. Uh, and he's like, yeah, dude, I'm all about it. Um, so, you know, I, I swallowed my pride a little bit and sent, sent the truck up to him and Man, it's definitely been uh, one of the best moves we've ever done. We came right out with a championship that same year, and um, you know we've front clipped the truck, we've back half the truck up at his shop. I've flown up there and done a bunch of work, and we've uh, we've made it work. I mean, we've got twenty thousand photos to each other. I mean, he's probably the most person I text and message and contact on my phone daily, just because he knows what I've grown up knowing and wanting, uh, hands on seeing the truck if he says he's going to change this tab and do it it's not or uh, doubting him it's just him reassuring me that what i see is going on the race truck what all is there and uh it's definitely good so i appreciate him doing that i know it's a little bit to go out of your way to do that kind of stuff but uh in the end we both build a truck um that goes out and wins races so so far it's worked out great um i got a new little hot rod i'm building downstairs um so got some cool stuff going on. Hopefully for the future, we're uh, racing strong. And he's planning on moving out here out of California too. So uh, maybe not out here, but somewhere somewhere uh, in the south. So we'll take a quick break here. We're going to elaborate a little bit more on Kyle's involvement with his truck and how things got going. He's one of the best of all time in short course off-road racing. And he's spending a little bit of time with us just before New Year's. We'll blast off. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the other side. This segment of The Skinny has been brought to you by General Tire. It's more than just a slogan. Anywhere is possible with General Tire. General Tire's Grabber X3 Mud Terrain Tire offers aggressive styling and is engineered for durability with innovative performance features that are ready to carry you through extreme mud, dirt, and rock-covered terrain. For extreme traction that's ready for anything and rugged styling to match, look no further than the Grabber X3. Make your anywhere possible by visiting GeneralTire.com today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by Rhino Classifieds. Tired of all those ads and random stuff that shows up when you're looking to buy or sell your car parts? Rhino Classifieds was created just for you. Welcome to a streamlined buying and selling app created by racers for racers and race fans. Modified cars, classic cars, race cars, that special big block you need. The trailer to move your baby around the country in. We got you at rhino.co. Welcome back to The Skinny. We have Kyle LaDuke here on the show with us. In excess of 100 career wins in short course off-road racing. Nothing to sneeze at by any stretch of the imagination and has competed against the absolute best of all time. Was picked up by Chip Ganassi Racing here in 2021, part of the Extreme E season. Certainly one of the elites when it comes to motorsports. Spending a little bit of time with us here just before New Year's. Thanks a lot for taking the time here, Kyle. And uh, as we were talking about um, your your involvement with the truck and you turning things over to Chad and Chad being blown away that you would even uh, think about the idea, much less actually pull the trigger on it. But let's go back to how things started, because when I first got into this industry, I used to walk by your dad's pit on a regular basis and check in with him. And he was always up inside of the trailer. He was always rebuilding the diff on that truck and getting it ready for the, for the next round, just typical maintenance stuff. And watching your dad so hands-on and the story that I heard, and I'd love for you to confirm it and elaborate on it, either true or not true, but uh, the way that I heard it was you wanted to go racing and dad pretty much said, well, there's the grinder and over there and there's a torch and there's a welder and there's a lot of tubing up there. Feel free to, to build one and get after it. I mean, very, very hands-on, very tough love dad, but it has certainly paid dividends for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's somewhat of the right story. Obviously, you know, my dad's uh, uh, an iconic guy, storyteller to say the least, but it... Uh, it all started, I mean, our, the first race I ever rode with my dad or in any, with anybody was, uh, man, I looked like I was like maybe 12, um, little fire suit. And I rode shotgun and his little uh, Ford Ranger pre-runner. Um, I think me, my brother, and my sister all rode in that. Um, and then the first time I actually got to put my name on the door and race a truck was at the uh, 1997 Baja 1000. So it was a Ford Ranger that I worked a deal out in my dad's shop. It's a guy that my dad been working with forever. That if I prepped it, he would let me drive a section. So I prepped it for free. I didn't make any money doing it. And uh, I was a sophomore in high school and got to race the section of the bottom 1,000. Um, had issues with it, but I spent the night in the desert. The truck broke, so we're sleeping in the truck in the desert. But it was, uh, it was a start. It was where it all began. you know. And then I raced it in 99, got into 2000. But at that same time, I was racing downhill mountain bikes professionally. And... Uh, you know, making money doing that, traveling the United States doing that, and and running pro with that. So that was that was all I wanted. And I worked with my dad and built trucks and um, had a, had a lot of experience already. So in uh, 2002, we uh, he, I think he had a sponsor, Skyjacker Suspension, that was looking to sponsor the uh, truck in the Pro Light Division. And my dad was like, "Well, hey, instead of you know sponsoring somebody else, let's see if Kyle wants to do it." And uh, I think literally before he finished the sentence, I was already in the shop. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a go go from from the word you know would you like to? I was already in. So um, obviously I don't I didn't know how to build trucks. I didn't know how to do geometry, steering, motor placement, weight bias, all that stuff. But I knew how to fabricate. I knew how to grind, cut, drill, and do all that kind of stuff. So 
um, I built the truck with the people in my shop, um, but it was kind of like the nobody touched the truck until Kyle walks in the door type scenario. So yeah, I mean, if if uh, if I didn't get down there and work on the truck, we wouldn't have a race car. So um, had tons of help, and obviously my dad did a bunch, and we would make multiple runs down to his back scrap yards to, to find old front hubs or some old gauges off of his old truck and old ignitions and small fuel pumps and all the stuff that didn't cost money because he'd been racing for decades. So um, Skyjacker definitely came in and helped us with, along with us, some of his other sponsors, but it was cool to just literally drive out. I mean, it was so last minute. I remember borrowing a front wheel from Rick Huseman and a couple things just to get the truck out the shop and on the trailer. So um, first race, we drove it all the way from California to New York and uh, got to race on a short course off-road track. I've been spotting my dad for years before that. And then this was the time to uh, take a green flag at the start of, uh, I think, 2003. That, um, man, I remember that that racetrack in New York. I, and I don't know that it was the first year. I think it was actually maybe the second or third year. I don't know how many years we went to New York. But, uh, man, one of the most epic jumps of all time, watching you <laughs> uh, go up in the air. And then I think whenever you landed, like the helmet came down over your eyes and you were slutched in the, yeah, it was pretty ugly, but no. you were going for it, man. I mean, you're absolutely going for it. And, and of course, talking about Rick, I think you and Rick, uh, one of the, I don't know, I think both of you were Fords at the time, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know uh, that that had anything to yeah. do with, with lining things up with the front hub. But, <clears throat> but uh, the point I, I really want to make to the fans at home is because it's so rare now to, to see somebody work their way into success and sponsorship which you've been able to do i mean clearly uh your father with a ton of experience you can lean on him the people around the shop uh the same resources there your abilities though have certainly excelled in terms of building a truck and your fabrication abilities everything that you've learned along the way as you talked about before all the weight bias and your ability to uh to really dial in you know shock packages all of that stuff uh, is the point that i'm trying to make you've learned all of that stuff all along the way you've managed to put yourself in a situation where you can win and you didn't start off with a bunch of money and and you acquired those sponsorships and have since enjoyed the success because of it you're one of a handful of people in short course off-road racing that actually make a living out of that sport and racing and you rely on those sponsorships and the only way they keep coming back is if you're successful so I wanted to get a little bit of that information from you and, and how you started so people know. Because, dude, it just doesn't happen anymore. The way it happens is somebody shows up with a lot of money, pots and pots of money, man, and buy their way in, and, and hopefully they can make something happen. Yeah, I mean, I've just, I've just always been around it. I mean, uh, there was no way to, to not be. I mean, it was in our backyard. We build jumps. We break our quads. We drive them into the shop, and Dad would be like, oh, the tie rod's broke. What are we going to do? It's like, well, can you help me? And he would help me do it, but then he'd make us booger weld it together. I mean, we're talking 11, 12 years old. Um, and whether that set the path or not, um, you know, it definitely did. But, you know, there's been knockdown, drag out fights, you know, with brothers and fathers. I mean, it's, it's a fabrication shop. It's family. Like, there's pros and there's cons. Um, and even that first year of racing, like, we didn't have money. I didn't have a spare engine. So one of the tracks I went to and uh, I blew my motor in practice and I watched the rest of the weekend. <laughs> I didn't get to race. I, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't a dad, I need this or come on, go buy that guy. He's got a motor right there. It's like, oh man, well, there it is. <laughs> it just, it just, it was the reality of it. And uh, I think obviously that, that definitely um, gave me a mindset on what I'm doing, how I'm doing it how to do it and seeing my dad do it for a living, um, racing trophy trucks. He went to Dakar, went up Pikes Peak. I mean, short course pro four, you name it, the guys driven it and been successful at it. So, um, seeing that from the outside in was definitely a good tool for me to, to jump on. Um, you know, but then at the same time, I wanted to have my own edge. I wanted to have my own design. I want to have my own style and, um, you know, me and him butted heads for some days, and some days it was awesome. Um, same with my brother. Some days it was a nightmare, like fighting with your brothers and who's doing better, and I won this race, and you didn't win this one. And, uh, you know, there was times when it sucked, but there was times when it was it was cool. So 
Um, and it helped us. I mean, me and my brother being competitive against each other pushed us on the mountain bikes. You know, we were always bragging to each other about who was better and who did this better. And it transferred into the trucks when he went truck racing um, in 05. I was already the 2004 pro light champion. So he's like, all right, great. My dad's this champion. Now Kyle's a champion. Now I got to go into this thing and I better come out swinging too. Uh, you know, the pressure's on. So it was just, uh, it was just an atmosphere. I mean, I probably had hands on 20 some odd trucks that rolled out of my dad's shop throughout my life. And, you know, I remember being in high school and uh running the lathe when he would put the bypass well the bypass tubes on the outside of the old coilover shocks i was there running a hone up and down so I'd, I'd come home from school and i'd be working on that stuff and um the day after i graduated he was gone and we had to pull the motor out of his pike's peak truck and we had to fabricate this gnarly thing so it was like my grad night instead of going out partying and making mistakes <laughs> i was uh i was in the shop working on his trucks and, and building stuff so there are stories that sound cool, you know, but, uh, at the time it's just whatever you're wanting to do is what you're going to do. And, um, it's the mental choice of whether you do one thing, do another. And I've always looked at it. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mid pack. I don't want to have a race car. I want to have the race car and I want to be at the front. And, uh, it's taken me a long time to try to figure out how to get there. Um, but once you do, and once I got there, it was, it was so much more fun to just, to just be openly creative and, and building cool pro lights and, um, you know, Stilo, my pro four stuff like that, that roll out of the shop and you can just have pride in and then, uh, put them on the racetrack and prove it, you know, to go from, from honing shocks on my dad's lathe to, uh, being able to pull out of your shop, a complete race truck is, uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to say you've done it. It's been really cool to watch you develop uh, over the course of time, for sure. And as you, you talk about those stories, and I mean, you had, you had to be 16 years old, 16, 17 years old, whenever you're uh, going into that Baja race and then stepping up and, and building your own trucks and then finally finding that success. So it's been great to watch you develop uh, over the course of your career. And, and your father, of course, uh, had the pleasure of working with him at Crandon here just a few months ago. It's been a long time since I really had a chance to spend time with your dad and uh, I've always enjoyed talking with your dad. He always has a unique aspect. He's a great interview. Uh, he's a great color commentator. I mean, he sees so much. He's been around and done so much. He's great to have in the booth, and uh, it was a real pleasure to work with him again uh, after after such a, a long time away from each other there uh, with his retirement, of course, from the sport and that sort of stuff. So, uh, we're going to take another quick break here. We'll be back on the other side with some more from Mr. Kyle LeDuc. We'll talk about how his career progressed and what the future holds in store for this talented, talented driver. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by Dream Giveaway. Dream Giveaway has been giving away high-end American muscle cars to raise money for charity since 2007. Dream Giveaway is known for giving away classic and new muscle and paying the federal taxes so the winners don't have to. For $25, you can jump in the game, and part of that goes to charity. You'll have a chance at winning some of the coolest cars on the planet. Check it out at dreamgiveaway.com. Once again, we have Kyle Duke with us on this special holiday edition of The Skinny just before New Year's Eve here, and it's a pleasure to have Kyle uh, with us. He's joined us from his home in Alabama, and we've been talking about how he got his career started, how he scrapped uh, from the bottom, literally working, fabricating his own truck a lot from his father and uh, competing with his brother as well. My quick little little uh, claim to fame with Kyle Duke is – He'd mentioned it before. I had a chance to to dub him the kid back in the day, and uh, that's exactly what he was, and he was so much fun to watch. But I do remember this special moment sitting on the starting line at Crandon, and I don't know why Kyle was in the back row with me. It was my first career race in a pro-light race, but he's in the back row with me. I think maybe you were late for the driver's meeting or something silly had happened. I don't know what it was, but Kyle is this accomplished pro-light racer and who went on to win the championship that year, and Kyle looks over at me, and I look over at him, and we're about to start the race, and Kyle says, follow me. And I looked over at Kyle, and I said, follow me. Of course, I never saw Kyle again. They dropped the green flag. He was gone. And I actually beat him, though, because you broke in that race. So I think I beat you. And I have a picture of myself ahead of Jeff Kincaid and Art Schmidt, and I beat you. And I'm like, hey, man, I just quit right now. I'm I'm done. (laughs) But I remember getting to the end of the race because I was still a pit reporter for the series and I climbed out of the truck and I looked at somebody and I said, you got to tell me who finished first, second, third. I said, I was nowhere close to them guys. I don't know. I don't know who won this thing. So it was a lot of fun though. And, uh, was able to enjoy a a handful of races that year in the pro light division. And I got to say, man, uh, the stuff that I learned to bring to the booth and, and relate to the fans, uh, was absolutely remarkable because everything that you guys go through, a lot of it's just taken for granted. You don't even realize all the stuff that you do and uh, just inherently uh, react to. Uh, the biggest thing for me that I think I was able, I hope I was able to bring to the fans over the course of time was the serious lack of vision that goes on during the entire race. You know, and <laughs> you just can't see where you're going. And uh, a number of times I've told people, when you see a guy do something you just think is completely stupid, uh, trust me, there's a real good chance he just could not see anything at all. So while you're sitting on your couch watching and with perfect vision, don't be too quick to judge that guy. Yeah, we use the term uh, blacked out. And that's happened a thousand times. I mean, even just the the crane and start, you go through turn one and the spotter is literally helping you. Stay, hold your line, hold your line, drift a little wider, a little tighter, a little tighter, because you're just, you're just murdering tariffs. I mean, you're getting blasted unless you get the whole shot. If you get the whole shot, you know, you're fist pumping in front. But um, if you're not anywhere near the front, you're just 
in this blanket of chaos and I don't know, man, there's risk involved with, with going through the, going through the smoke hole, <laughs> but, uh, it's not, it's not usually, um, to your benefit. So yeah, no, it definitely is gnarly. It's a, it's an element of racing that a lot of people don't understand. They might understand it, but like to stack 20, 25 tear offs on your helmet, you're like thinking, you know, is that enough? Am I going to be out of tear offs? And is it too wet for the water to come in, but the backside of them and there's so many elements to it that uh, gets gnarly and, and the short course off-road racing is, is that it's gnarly. I mean, we used to ride when I was, I think that start when you, what you're talking about, I was probably wearing a dirt bike helmet and I had moto goggles and we used to run moto tear offs. And, uh, now since we've gone full face helmets with big tear offs and laminated and gotten all fancy with it. But, um, yeah, it's definitely gnarly. It's, it's a thing you gotta be racing and just get blasted and you just gotta, I mean, it's almost second nature. You, you don't even have to think of where they are and um yeah it's pretty cool it's definitely uh an element of racing that we are unique with, with some of the off-road short course dirt stuff yeah you bring that up and, and it's a great point it's just one of many points I, I'm, that exact race that, that i referred to there i went through turn one and totally forgot because i'd never pulled one in my life i totally forgot i even had tear-offs so I reached up and wiped the mud away. Of course, it worked the first time. I was like, oh, that's good. And then I wiped again. And the second time, you've got mud all over your glove. It doesn't work near as good. Now I'm completely blind. And then it dawned on me, oh, I've got those tear-off things. So I pulled one of those. I was like, oh, that's brilliant, man. I love that right there. But it's, uh, it's, it's amazing everything that goes on in, in your brain and how far you drive not being able to see anything. And, of course, you referred to the spotters there uh, helping you out, and, and you referred to the moisture that gets in between the, the tear-offs that people aren't aware of. It's, man, there's just so much going on that happens so quickly, and, and now we're talking about pro light days. I mean, never mind you guys in, the, in those monster pro fours and coming in turn one at 100 miles an hour, and I mean hair on fire, ragged edge, inside tires dangling off the ground, just on the edge of absolute disaster. It's it's not a game for the faint of heart, and, and I wish there was some way for the fans to understand everything that you guys are doing. I don't even know if you guys know everything you're doing. <laughs> well, no, I mean, now there's uh, – I got my iRacing stand oh, on this side, sorry, my um, iRacing deal. So a lot of people get to go around Crandon and race Crandon, but, man, unless that thing starts shooting out mud at you and <laughs> and blasting <laughs> you with rocks, there's uh, there's no way to compare. I mean – we talk about putting your hand up and, and blocking the stuff. We were at Crandon a couple years ago and uh, going up the backstretch. I had lost my hood in the truck and I was behind Chenny and uh, going up the backstretch coming out of Argon, going up the hill, it gets really light and you tend to roost a ton right there. And I was just going up to pull a tear off and I got hit by a rock. And uh, man, I thought it broke my knuckle. Uh, it hurt so bad. Get to the end of the race and I go back and then, and then it really starts like the adrenaline kicks off. And I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely busted my knuckle, my hand, something. So I pulled my glove off. And when I did that, uh, it sounded like coins dropping on the ground. Ding, ding. It was my uh, tungsten carbide ring broken in half. My finger and my knuckle was bleeding, but it hit my hand and shattered my ring on the steering wheel, like on the, on the dash and uh, totally shattered it. So now I have a <laughs> carbon fiber one, but... Yeah, it's it's gnarly like that. I've been hit in the face when it knocks your shield up. Like, it's uh, it's a knockdown dragout fight out there for sure. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think Rodrigo Ampudia maybe got hit in the forearm with a rock or something, broke his arm. I remember, um, I, I know Johnny Greaves there for a while had a combination of things. He had the dirt bike helmet with the visor, so you guys could tip your head head down and block some of the roost initially. He also had the the uh, I think he had a mud eater, and if the mud eater failed, he would pull it off, and he would have he had a set of dirt bike goggles with the pull string that over his shifter that he could quickly put on, and then he also had a rag in case everything failed so that he could wipe his eyes out. I, I remember looking at all the stuff in there, and that was at Bark River for, for whatever reason. Uh, at Bark River, again, loaded up with that heavy loam, man. You guys can eat a, eat a bunch of roost, but... It's a real deal, man. I mean, it's people, again, yeah. it's just impossible to relay how difficult it can be. And there's a lot of dirt track guys that, that understand and go through the same thing that we do, but they don't race in the rain. I remember starting uh, 2006 uh, or 05, 
and uh, starting Bark River on the line, pro light, about to go, and it just starts raining, and you're like, oh no, it's raining, they're gonna cancel it. Oh no, it's really raining, super bad. Oh, green flag. <laughs> and the whole race was raining the entire time. Um, I was leading Jeff Kincaid, and he did a slide job on me uh, like no other on the last lap. And uh, But it was pouring rain the entire time. So there's water running, moto helmets, moto goggles, and a protector so the dirt didn't go between your goggles and your helmet and blast your forehead. But that that's what off-road racing is, and it's – it's gotten to a point a couple times lately where they'll cancel race or they'll, you know, postpone a race and all that stuff. And I get it, but at the same time, you know, I'm a little old school. And I remember putting the, the fin on the top of my dad's truck with a number on it so that you could tell which brown truck was his. And, uh, I mean, obviously it didn't make for great TV, but that was that was hardcore off-road racing. And I think I think uh, we're missing a little bit of that these days, but, hey, it's all good. It's, it's narrowly off-road racing, and sometimes the uh, – Sometimes the officials put more water more water on the track than uh, Mother Nature ever could. So <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes a, it gets gnarly. Either way, that's a great point there about the officials. <laughs> I want to elaborate <laughs> on that one. I'll let it go for now. Uh, at any at any rate, um, you know, I remember before I got involved with short course off road, watching the trucks. Well, I don't know why Lake Geneva is sticking out in my head, but there were some races I want to say in in Missouri, maybe Kansas, somewhere around Kansas City or somewhere in there. It seemed like every time I watched it on TV, it was a rain race. And I remember the uh, once I got involved, and let's say maybe you guys are at Cran and it, and it's and the track is super wet. But I remember talking to some of the veterans, probably someone like your father. Although I don't know if your father would give it, give up anything like this, but the guys would tell me, "Yeah, man, we're gonna spring up, you know, for the for the weight of the mud because the trucks could pick up 500 pounds or more of mud." So going over the jumps, I mean, naturally has changed everything in terms of spring rate and how the truck is going to land to keep it from bottoming out. So they would literally anticipate carrying all this extra weight. Yeah, those are the days that I was uh, I was a pressure wash kid. Um, I was over there in a <laughs> trash bag cleaning off that 500 pounds. Uh, but yeah, again, I remember I remember putting a fin on the top of my dad's truck. I remember them hosing the trucks off at the start line at Crandon one time. Like it was that bad. Um, and it used, like you said, uh, Lake Geneva, it, it was basically a swimming pool with a racetrack in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, I've been in some of those races, some of those races were before my day, but, um, nowadays, obviously it's getting a little more, I wouldn't say professional, but a lot more, uh, taken care of, you know, professional tracks, bigger, gnarlier, you know, maintenance crews and bigger tractors. And, you know, Crandon, that place, that place has, uh, amazed me several times so many tracks will be absolutely underwater and flooded and shut down, but somehow Cliff fires up those dozers and, and uh, starts moving dirt and he can clear off a racetrack. I mean, obviously he doesn't like moving his dirt around that much, but he can part ways and uh, make us a racetrack, even though it rained the night before. So um, it's doable. And, you know, some of these tracks get destroyed from it, but racing the mud sucks. We all love a perfectly beautiful prime track. So if we can get that, we'll prefer that any day. So um, as we talk about so many things I want to talk to you about, and, and we're already running out of time, but speaking of Cranon real quickly, uh, Cranon did not change for as long as I've known Cranon. And 2021, they made some significant changes to that track, man. There was a pretty gnarly kicker there coming out of the barn term that has never been there before. You guys were getting some crazy air. Unfortunately, a, a bit of a tough weekend there for you, but they made some big changes to that racetrack for the first time in many, many years. Yeah, I talked to Cliff when he was working on it. Fortunately, we're there testing and doing stuff, and he uh, you know, he had a couple ideas on what he wanted to do and where to add jumps. And I, I personally didn't agree with it because that's definitely not a spot you want to throw us in the air. Um, a jump is one thing, um, but falling off the side of the four-story building at 90 miles an hour is another. Um, so it was just a big, awkward jump that a lot of the trucks weren't used to, and mine being one of them with my uh, bit of a unique rear suspension. So uh, we couldn't really catch it and, and control it enough to, uh, to not destroy the truck. So that definitely eliminated us that entire weekend from trying to be uh, a threat. But you know, if it's still there next year, we'll adapt the truck, and we've already made changes to the rear suspension to make it be able to do that stuff. But 
no, these tracks definitely, uh, you know, I don't want to be the guy to, to push the buttons the wrong way, but man, these tracks and promoters, we got to step up. Um, you know, these are amazing trucks. I've had these things in the dune 200, 300 feet, you know, four or five, five stories in the air. They can do it. We've just got to, uh, we got to supply the, uh, atmosphere for them and the fans to be able to get a little bit more excited about this stuff. And, um, you know, these trucks can do it. We really got to showcase that pro two pro light pro four, all those guys involved in, um, there's ways to do it, ways to build tracks for sportsmen and also the big boys. Cause we, we really need this to work. I, uh, like you said, I do this for a living, so it needs to work. And if I want to raise my son to come out here and race the stuff, I don't want him to be at the same tracks in another 10 years. So, um, trying to make the steps to, uh, try to help as much as I can with the series. But, uh, I might just start uh, poaching it, rent some dozers, and start moving some dirt on the weekends when nobody's around. <laughs> yeah, if the people want to see what these trucks are capable of. Lake Elsinore was uh, was a great example there back in the day. Oh, my goodness, some of those jumps were just incredible. And then there's that place there in Wheatland that's uh, pretty impressive as well. So there's some options, and, and you've been there and done that. So I'm sure you'll be able to bring a lot to the table. Hey, you talked about battling with your brother here. I'm going to touch on this real quickly. Uh, 2012, you guys were first and second in the points in Pro 4. Um, and I remember, it's funny because you talked about the battling with your brother. And, and as we sit here and we look back on it and you think, man, that's pretty awesome. Those guys had to be stoked. But I remember the tension uh, between you and your brother, speaking of the competitiveness. Can, do you recall that year? I mean, what, what was that like, the, the, uh, the chemistry, I should say, with you guys? I do. I mean, we had it. We had the the rivalries. Uh, even when we weren't racing against each other, you know, I was pro light. He was pro two. Um, we helped each other, um, and then I went pro four, and he was still pro two. And we started button heads a little bit. I mean, we're all like I said, we're doing this for a living, so there's a business involved and money and you know prize money. And uh, once we all three were in pro four, only one of us could win. So the other two were losers at some point. So it uh it got weird it got a little awkward and, you know we all go back to the same shop we'd all drive there in the same semi like go there not have a knockdown drag out fight at a racetrack and then get in the same rig and drive cross country for three days like nightmare nightmare scenarios but uh yeah i do remember that um to come down i mean obviously it's cool right so now that i'm sitting here in hindsight and i'm sure todd would say the same for both of us to be at the top of the points in pro four I arguably in its prime um, is pretty badass. Like <laughs> we, 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 I wouldn't say we came from nothing. We came from a dad and a, a legend in the sport, but we worked our way up with sponsors and, and, and earned every bit of those sponsors and the built the trucks that got there. And not that the other teams didn't, but it, uh, it made us feel like we earned it. Right. So, we came down to a couple points. He had good consistency, and then I was either hit or miss, right? Um, that was an early year. Yeah, so I learned a lot that year. <laughs> we uh, had some good battles all the way to the end of the line in Vegas, like just landing on each other's hood, trying to just scrape next to each other. And um, he was always better than me in the mountain bike stuff. He was more athletic, trained a lot more, but I was a more aggressive and gnarlier technical rider. So once we got to the trucks, that kind of flipped a little bit. And uh, he definitely, he didn't like it. I didn't like the rivalry. Me and him butted heads. I mean, we were gotten fights in the shop, like everything you would imagine. There's no, uh, there's no picture perfect story here. We were, we were brothers and uh, yeah, it, it was, it was life. <laughs> it was great stuff. I, I remember that year and thinking all three of you guys going to be in the same class. I was like, oh boy. This ought to be oh, uh, pretty interesting to watch, not even talking about everybody climbing inside of the same truck and back in the same shop. Great <laughs> stuff for sure as you talk about looking back at it. Um, hey, man, let's shift gears here real quickly and we'll get things wrapped up. Talk to me about 2022. Congratulations on – I know things didn't pan out the way you guys wanted them to with, with the Ganassi Racing effort and the Extreme E. Hopefully uh, you guys are back again to take another swing at it next year. Uh, but nonetheless, just to be – uh, included in that group to be their preferred driver. Quite an accomplishment. Congratulations on that. But what does 2022 look like for you? Well, yeah, appreciate that, man. I mean, obviously, I got a phone call from uh, Mike Hull, um, 
and and I'm not a huge uh, IndyCar fan, but I, I looked him up and I learned who the hell I was talking to. And uh, <laughs> you start understanding, you know, you start looking at all those all these stories that we have, right? All the stuff that we've been talking about here. All of that comes to a desk at Chip Ganassi's racing shop with my name on it, right? So just to have that, you can hang up the phone and be like, all right, sweet. Like we're doing the right thing. We're making the right progress. Um, but then to have have them call you and hire you is the second thing. Um, and to do it in an off-road world is pretty cool. I mean, I know it is the coolest, right? That is that is the pinnacle of what you're trying to do here. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a super tough year, man. We had some massive speed, some massive effort. Um, the team is epic. Working with these guys is awesome. And uh, my crew chief, uh, Trad, he is the crew chief on that program as well. So um, they were smart, but they knew they needed knowledge in the off-road world. So they relied on me. I threw him out there. He was all about it too. And uh, it was just an epic collaboration. So we have a good package. We have we have the package in the series and in the sport. But um, yeah, man, we just had some, I don't even, I don't rely on, I don't like luck. I don't want to say we had bad luck. Some of the stuff just sucked. Some of it was self-induced um, and some of it was uh, correctable. So we're on that path to uh, to be able to correct it, to overlook how this works, overlook how these other drivers drive, how I drive. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of things, you know, if, if we continue with 2022 and you go back to my roots a little bit and, uh, you know, do what I do, be who I am and uh, bring that to a racetrack and, and that'll that'll gain our results. Uh, your your talents far exceed what the people have seen so far. I, mean, I could see you in an Indy car, man. I think you could drive whatever they wanted to put you inside of. So <laughs> uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate everything. We wish you the best of luck moving forward here in the next uh, next few years. And, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch you develop. Appreciate that, dude. It's uh, It's been a long road. Like you said, I've been doing it for a couple decades now. So um, definitely have some future plans want to do stuff, but I still want to go downstairs here and uh, build a new Pro 4. So definitely still still the same dude uh, you called Kyle the Kid back in the day. So hands-on building race cars and uh, make a living doing it. So got a wife, two kids, this property, just got to make it all work and uh, put a stamp on it. Pretty proud of it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, our holiday edition here with the former kid, now one of the standouts in all forms of motorsports that he decides to get involved with. Kyle LaDuke, thank you very much, man. Happy New Year to you, my friend, and best of luck in the future. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks for being with us here on The Skinny. This episode has been brought to you by Toyota, Rhino Classifieds, Dream Giveaway, and General Tire. For the latest in sunglasses, optical frames, accessories, and apparel, be sure to check out fatheads.com. That's Fatheads with a Z. Production facilities provided by Fatheads Eyewear Studios. All rights reserved. The Skinny with Rico and Ken is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.